0: Music from the new release by Enigma. They're the official music on the Exploring Unexplained Phenomena radio show. That's from the brand new recording called Moon. Scott Colborn with Exploring Unexplained Phenomena. Good morning, ladies and gentle people. It's sure great to have you here, whether you're kicking around home or at the workplace. With me in the studio is Jim and and, uh, Colleen. And Jim and Colleen, how's your week been? Well, mine's been good. How about you? I've gotten yard work done, and uh, I'm just, I'm doing great. Doing great.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, I've actually helped to plant <coughs> corn this week. Oh. Um, at the little, at the little non-profit place I go to for my GED classes, so, because we got a little garden going in the back, and we got the... Um, the the blue the indigenous blue corn going.
0: So. Oh, very good. You got to keep us posted on the on on how that goes. Yeah.
1: Yeah, because it's like um, it you know it, un, unlike normal unlike normal <laughs> unlike the yellow corn that is produced. Yeah, that's produced. not normal. Yeah, corn. it's not normal <laughs> corn. It's like this corn that was created to be used as cattle feed and ethanol. hmm That that's it. And um, the corn that, that, you know, that uh, my mother gave me to plant is, like, this really, really old strain of corn. And the kernels that we, that, um, I can't remember who saved and who gave it to my mom, but they saved it. Um, they haven't been planted for a few years. Mm-hmm. So, we're, we're just going to see which ones grow and which ones, um, you know, might, might need a little...
0: Uh, Help. Yeah, that should be interesting. There's a metaphor there, folks, about uh, preparing (coughs) the soil and on a day that's just right, planting that seed. Mm -hmm. And then because of watching other gardens spring up, knowing and trusting that it's going to grow. That's a great uh, metaphor, Colleen, to start the show with. Well, also starting the show with is Charlene with the Capital Humane Society. Charlene is not a metaphor. She joins us every Saturday morning for a pet talk and she should be right there. Hi, Charlene. Charlene, can you hear me? Hello, Charlene. Jim, do you wanna try to call her back there? I certainly can. Our show for you today is going to be Sherling with Pet Talk. And then we've got Paula Harris. Now that'll be kind of an adventure because we've got Paula Harris over in Italy. So we're gonna talk to her someplace in the Alps. Cross your fingers that we can get her. And Catherine Jagedi is our author She comes on about 40 minutes into the program. The book is Infinite Possibility: How to Use the Ideas of Neville Goddard to Create the Life You Want. And that should be that should be very very interesting here. Okay, we've got Charlene again. Let's try this a second time. Charlene, good morning. How about that, Charlene? Can you hear me?
2: Yes, I can. There
0: she is. Okay, we had apparently kids playing with a board here, so we got it selected right. Now we can hear you. How are things?
2: Oh, things are good. We have some great volunteers helping us today. We're very grateful for that. We have wonderful animals for adoption, lots and lots of cats, so it's going to be a good day.
0: A low-cost feline spay-neuter program.
2: That is a great program that we offer for low-income <coughs> families to have their cat uh, spayed or neutered, so that they can also help us to control the overpopulation problem. Um, there is uh, eligibility requirements, and you can find out all those details on all those details on our website um, to see if you qualify and all the services that are provided with that program.
3: Okay, so we're not talking about low. We're not talking about low-income cats here, then, are we? <laughs>
2: Uh, right so um, we do need families that meet the requirements which include um, being a low-income family um, and then you can consider getting your cat spayed or neutered
0: okay working cat program now what's that about
2: So we sometimes get cats in that may be semi-feral or that are not properly using the litter box. So they're not great candidates to be indoor companions. Uh, But they still are wonderful companions and may make great mousers. Um, So they are working cats. Um, We still need families who will provide proper shelter and food and water, of course. Um, But we do have working cats available for adoption. If you're interested in that, we have an online application.
0: And on Facebook, um, I see almost daily people saying, I found this dog or I found this cat. Um, I've always suggested to folks that the first thing you should do is be reporting that to the Cattle Humane Society. So when people have lost a pet, which facility do they go to?
2: uh... you want to go to our admissions and assessment center and that is the twenty three twenty park boulevard location Um it's great to go in and physically look at all of the lost animals to see if one is yours Um you can also leave the lost report right there at the front desk Um you can call the facility and leave a lost report over the phone but you're absolutely right you want to start looking for your lost pet right away Um, We do have many lost animals that don't get claimed, and we know someone was caring for them. So Mm -hmm. we want very much for people to actively look for their lost pets. You want to leave a lost report with us and with Animal Control.
0: Okay, cats and kittens for adoption. Ladies and gentlemen, here we go.
2: We've got some beauties, and we hope people are ready to adopt today. We have just great cats and so many of them. And we'll start with Athena. Uh, She is two years old, a spayed female, white and black. She can be very, very shy, but she does love the company of other cats. She's always rubbing up on her little companions in the colony (laughs) that she's in. Uh, So she she is looking for a, a calm home, probably with other kitties.
0: That's just adorable. I met yeah. up on my Greek goddesses, but isn't Athena one of the Greek gods?
1: Yes, she is. she's is, um, I think, the goddess of wisdom.
0: Okay, so... Ooh. And,
1: and uh, her Roman counterpart would be Minerva, wh- wh- who, you know, everyone knows Minerva McGonagall.
0: Way to, way to, <laughs> way to come through, Colleen. Okay, Absolutely. All okay, you, all you gals out there, we've got a goddess for you. A goddess cat. Yeah, <laughs> Athena. And Athena's joined by...
2: Next up is Hank, and Hank is a cutie pie. He is basking in the sun in his colony. He's got beautiful orange tabbing mm. markings, those swirls. He's a young cat, about a year old. Um, again, just a really fun guy. Likes to relax in the sun, likes to play with <laughs> the other cats in his colony, so um, going to be a really entertaining friend.
0: There you go, Hank the cat.
2: <laughs> My friend
0: Greg Martin that plays guitar in the Kentucky Headhunters, uh, is 1957 Les Paul. He's nicknamed Hank, so that's very, very appropriate. He has a <coughs> lot of fun with Hank and with Hank the Cat, so will you. Hank's picture's up at org. We've got Athena, Hank, and...
2: Jarvis. And Jarvis is about five years old, all black with bright eyes, arrived as a lost cat and was looking for a great new home. He's just a real handsome cat, and I'm sure he'd love to just curl up in your lap and be adored.
3: He looks like he's ready to be petted.
2: Uh-huh, just
3: yep. <laughs> me here, pet me,
0: darn it.
4: <laughs>
0: or else he's doing some sort of a cat yoga pose there. Okay, Jarvis, good-looking cat. Pictures up at CapitalHumaneSociety.org. Lots of great cats and kittens to choose from. See their pictures again at CapitalHumaneSociety.org. Or better yet, see them today and tomorrow. What are hours open, Charlene?
2: We are open on Saturday and Sunday at our Pylock Pet Adoption Center from 11 to 530.
0: Okay, so um, I don't know Jim... Colleen who's going to try to get Paula but she's in Italy so let's go ahead and start trying to get her now oh boy okay okay we've got dogs for adoption some beautiful dogs who's gonna be the first dog
2: we'll start with Brandy and she's a very beautiful chocolate lab about 50 pounds so not a big dog a medium-sized dog very playful loves to have fun Uh, is looking for a family that will have time to give her plenty of exercise and attention. Um, So if you love labs, I bet you'll love Brandy.
0: Mm -hmm. What would you call the color of her coat? Uh,
2: I'd say she's a chocolate lab.
0: Okay. Chocolate lab. And what's Brandy's age?
2: (coughs) She is three years old, a very pretty dog, um, athletic and ready to uh, go out for walks and runs and play some fetch.
3: Okay, cool. So, Brandy, you're a fine lab. What a good
0: pet you would make. (laughs)
2: Yes, (laughs) yes.
0: Brandy's joined by?
2: Latte. And Latte's a little chihuahua. She's a spayed female, about eight years old. Uh, She's white with some brown, cute little face cute little mouse there in their picture uh loves to go outside smell the roses will make a great companion when you're strolling through the park that's cute Uh, looking for a home with kids that are uh, at least uh, 13 or older
0: you know uh, jim with your connections to the the weather folks the national weather service could have a program that how windy is it well it's windy enough that that latte is lifting off the ground with those ears there you go
3: now, I'm wondering if, if if she's named Latte because of the coloring or because she acts like she just drank one.
4: Uh, <laughs> I think
2: it's the coloring. Ah, okay. Yeah, she does not seem to be a real wound-up gal.
0: Ah, that's good. Brandy, yes. Latte, and?
2: I thought we'd talk about Ducky because <laughs> it's such a cute name and such a cute picture. Uh, she is two years old, a pit bull mix a fade female her tongue's just hanging out she's a happy little gal in her picture Um, she can be very shy when she first meets you but as her picture indicates she's got a big grin on her face once she knows she can trust you and that you're going to be kind to her
0: yeah now that's a happy dog yes great dog for a walking companion here (laughs) that permanent weight loss program hey ducky show us your tongue (laughs) prepare to be licked (laughs) Oh, boy. Three great, uh, three great dogs, Brandy, Latte, and Ducky. Pictures are up at CapitalHumaneSociety.org, or go see them today and tomorrow.
2: And our Pylock Pet Adoption Center on 70th and Highway 2 is open from 11 to 530 today and tomorrow.
0: Okay. Charlene, uh, did you get up during the night with the thunderstorms that rolled through?
2: I heard, Yes. Yes, we had some branches in our yard, so it was really whipping out there.
0: I had to, you know, I, I love storms. So uh, about 4.30, 5 o'clock, I had to get up and just watch for a while and uh, really enjoyed it. So I'm so grateful we got some rain last night.
2: Yes, we needed it.
0: Okay, Charlene, uh, all the best to you and the crew out there. Thank you for your good work.
2: Thank you. Have a great day.
0: You as well. Charlene and friends at the Catholic Humane Society, making the first place that you go When you want to adopt a dog or a cat okay i think we're successful i think so good job
3: but we have to be brief because paula says her phone's about to die okay
0: let's go real quick this is paula harris from italy hi paula
4: Hi, Scott. I'm in northern Italy in the Alps, and I, and I, unfortunately, my phone doesn't have a lot of charge. And, uh, but I just, uh, I've just come back from a trip to some hidden pyramids uh, in northern Italy. It's been very, very interesting. And uh, uh, I have uh, a conference tonight. I'm speaking tonight uh, here in uh, close to a place called Novara. can you hear me
0: yeah we're just we're making adjustments here paula we can hear you okay uh so so far you so far you're enjoying your trip
4: yeah no i'm enjoying my trip and uh i'm learning a lot and i've talked to some contactees and uh doing some research up here
0: and what's the nature of the conference you're going to be speaking at
4: well, I'm—I'm—it's all only me, and I'm talking about the uh, giant rock group, you know, of contactees in the 1950s. And I'm uh, going to be talking about uh, the Latin American contactees. But I've met some people here who've had contact with uh, human-type aliens. So uh, it's been interesting for me to interview people up here.
0: And I think that so, you've uh, over the years, Paula, you promoted a case also that I believe is from the 1950s. That was called was it called the friendship yeah. case?
4: The friendship, amici, yeah, yeah, the friendship case it's called amici. Friendship, and it's from the uh, Adriatic coast. So I, I uh, that you know, the people there's one man that. Still alive. He's on Lake Como. His name is Gaspare and he's in his 90s. So, I I interviewed him last year. It means that I have to do quite a bit of traveling.
0: And why is it, Paula, necessary or uh, important to hear these messages from the contactees?
4: <coughs> because uh, they the uh, the contact they're having with extraterrestrials. Are uh, are due to certain uh, important, uh, you know, cases. In other words, earthly situations like uh, our problem with uh, with the, you know, the, uh, uh, you know, with with weather, with um, with uh, geopolitical things. With uh, they have messages about the way we treat planet Earth. Uh, they have messages in the Amijitia case, they wanted people to come together, uh, because Amijitia means friendship. They were wondering whether we could ever live among them, and of course, when we deal with, um, you know, all the problems we have on the planet, they, they want to give us a hand.
0: Yeah, I think it's important <clears throat> to hear about these contactee stories, Paula, because uh, we've been led to believe that the only ET showing up are the little three to four foot tall gray aliens.
4: Well, the ones in Pescada were people. They were people. They were housed. They were uh, people, regular people. I mean, they even provided for them fruits and vegetables to eat. So, what what uh, you know, what our listeners should understand is that there are people on other planets. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were. It's normal. For me, it, it is a normal situation to know that there are people on other planets. I talked to a contactee here yesterday. He says he sees them. They sit down. They talk to him. Uh, and they have a plan for uniting everybody, and it has to be connected to meditation because meditation is a way to project thoughts.
0: And Paula, you're, you're also busy planning <clears throat> the StarWorks USA UFO Symposium that takes place this November. Uh, how's that going? Are you getting excited yet?
4: Yeah, especially because we have Emery Smith. Uh, Emery just came back from contact in the desert, and he was a big hit. Everybody loved him. He told the truth, but he, t- he talks from the heart. So because he talks from the heart, uh, we're going to be really lucky to have him in Laughlin November 2nd through 4th this year.
0: And what's the official color for Friday night? There's sort of a meet-and-green.
4: Green. 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 Everybody has to dress in green. We have to dress in green. it's, it's has to do with uh, ecological. We, it, the whole thing is. Return of the Star People, it's about Native American love of the planet, the idea that their um, ancestors came from the stars, so it's green, it's going to be green, so I hope people sign up because you know they'll see you, you'll be there, and uh, it's right around your birthday, right?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, Paula. It'll be a great time to get together with folks that uh, I only get to see once a year, and that's at the Starworks USA UFO Symposium. Uh, StarworksUSA.com is the website. All the information's there. And, Paula, I hope you have a uh, taking time to chat with us.
4: Well, you're welcome, Scott. Tell everybody to go on my Facebook page, and they'll see all the photos. The photos are beautiful.
0: Okay, Paula Harris, P-A-O-L-A. Paula Harris, look on her Facebook page. I was there last night seeing some of the photos. Uh, Just beautiful. I watched that video of, was it uh, from Como?
4: Yeah, we're near Lake Como.
0: Yep, beautiful countryside.
4: Yep, we're Lake Okay, I imagine there's
0: probably some good food there also.
4: Yes, the food is fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) The food is good. Yes, I'm enjoying it.
0: Okay, much love, my friend. Thank you so much.
4: Okay. Okay,
0: take care. Bye. Paula Harris, her website, paolaharris.com. You'll also find Paula on Facebook. And uh, the website for the Laughlin event, November 2nd through the 4th, is StarWorksUSA.com. I'm Scott Colborn, and let's kick up a little bit of uh, Enigma from the brand new CD that's called Moon. We'll be right back after this.
5: Hi dudes and dudettes, it's
6: Carol Griswold from Women's Blues and Boogie on your community radio station, 89.3 FM, KZUM Lincoln and KZUM HD.
4: Support for KZUM comes from Eagle Printing and Sign at 14th and N in downtown Lincoln. In business for over 20 years, Eagle offers a variety of printing services for first-time customers to longtime professionals, plus creative and design services. More at 402-476-8156 and eagleprintingandsign.com.
0: This program is made possible in part by a grant from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. And the
7: Nebraska Recycling Council helping to protect the natural environment and extend the life of our landfill. Reminding Lincoln and Lancaster County that corrugated cardboard will not be accepted at the landfill beginning April 1st. For more on recycling services and area drop-off sites, nrcne.org or 402-436-2384. And by Jazz in June, presenting live jazz every Tuesday in June at 7 p.m., Held outdoors near 12th and R Streets on the UNL City campus, Jazz in June offers a family-friendly environment with VIP seating and artist meet and greets available. The Jazz in June market begins each week at 5 p.m. with area food vendors, crafts, and more. Information at jazzinjune.com.
8: The full moon lights the silver rails winding around dark mountains and over steep gorges of jagged rock and one freezing cold rushing black mountain river. I wish there was enough time to describe all of the funny twists and turns that led up to now, but there isn't enough time, because there's a ticking clock, and the two passengers we care most about don't know anything about it. To see what happens next, visit read.gov to read The Exquisite Corpse, a riveting adventure pieced together by John Cheska, Shannon Hale, Daniel Handler, and other popular authors. Explore New Worlds. Read. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. My name is Manny Morales. I'm 45, and I coach youth football. It's still hard to believe, because the high school me was a work in
7: progress. But Big Brothers, Big Sisters, give me a real role model. And the young me...
5: Neither a role model, bad. My bigger brother's name is Ray, and Ray is the reason that this 7-year-old grows up to be a role model himself.
3: Whether you donate money or time, you're helping Big Brothers, Big Sisters help a child. Start something today at BigBrothersBigSisters.org. Brought to you by Big Brothers, Big Sisters and the Ad Council.
9: Far from the din of commercial culture and just this side of the abstract is a place I call Mesoterra. I'm Vic Valverde, your tour guide for an eclectic musical excursion on a program called Mesoterra. Saturdays, 12 noon until 1.30, right here on KZUM. ¶¶
0: That's music from guitarist David Epp from the brand new recording called Moon. The band's name is Enigma, and they're the official music we use on the program. I'm Scott Colborne with Jim and Colleen, and you guys and gals, we are exploring unexplained phenomena. Jim and Colleen, we've got a great um, rest of spring, and then we merge into summer here. Mm -hmm. Shortly. Of I think it's pro- already here, actually. <laughs> <laughs>
6: yeah, summer's here already.
0: Yeah. Uh, by calendar or solstice, it's not. But yeah, by temperature, it is. Mm-hmm. We've got great guests coming up. We've got Brent Rains. Next week, he's the editor of the Alternate Perceptions magazine and author of Visitors from Hidden Realms on the Edge of Reality. And uh, I've long admired Brent and his good work there. Uh, He's a fellow Fortian and always enjoy his monthly magazine. Brent Rains next week joins us. Two weeks from today, Colleen and, and Jim, we've got our friend Paul Blake Smith and we revisit the UFO crash outside of Cape Girardeau, Missouri in 1941. That's always a fun topic. And as I say, wait a minute, you mean Roswell in 1947 wasn't the first one? The answer is no. Oh, of course not. You know, Paula Harris, who was just on, talks about the uh, San Antonio, New Mexico crash of 1945. We've got Aztec. We've got uh, this Cape Girardeau one from 1941. Which, which Interesting. Makes,
3: makes me wonder if they buy their equipment from the lowest bidder, just as we do.
6: Three weeks,
0: <laughs> three weeks from today, we've got William Stillman, first-time guest, The Secret Language of Spirit. And then to uh, celebrate the Battle of Gettysburg, 1863, that was one of the most <coughs> incredible battles uh, in history, we've got Mark Nasbitt. And Mark has a brand new edition, Ghosts of Gettysburg, Volume 8 Spirits, Apparitions, and Haunted Places of the Battlefield, that's coming out. Wow, Volume 8? Volume 8. Awesome. Uh, As well as you can see the list of titles that I'm holding up here. (laughs) Yeah, I saw saw that. Wow. Um, Our friend Peter Robbins joins us July 14th. All Things UFO. Should be an interesting conversation. Peter is one of the guys. He's one of the good guys. I respect him a lot and looking forward to that conversation with Peter. And thanks to Jim Shorney coming up July 21st. We've got Joel Green And the book is Robber's Cave, Truths, Legends, Recollections. That's going to be a fun show. And you've got a copy already.
3: Yes. Uh, Joel is a super nice guy, Uh, tremendous knowledge of the cave. I I met him on a tour of the cave and uh, picked up a copy of his book Tuesday, hot off the presses, and it's very well done. And he's not paying me to say that. I really... You know, I I skimmed through it the past couple of nights. Looked at a lot of the photos, read some of the the anecdotes, and uh, there's a lot of stuff in there.
0: And coming up in August, we've got Brian Seach, the co-founder of the Center for Unexplained Events in Pennsylvania. Uh, my family hails way back when from Pennsylvania. In fact, Jim and Colleen, I've got a a, a beautiful old-world china hutch in my dining room. Hmm. That my great grandfather Abram Colborn, brought by wagon from Pennsylvania cool
1: that's pretty impressive actually, like, <laughs> you know like from here from here to Pennsylvania that's rough terrain <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> uh my my family has a a lot of that stuff that was brought by wagon from Pennsylvania as well. I have a clock that was given to me by my uncle that's uh it's Pretty cool it's a small wall clock and it's got a glass uh, inset in the front and how that thing got all the way from Pennsylvania to Nebraska without breaking that glass yeah it's impressive
1: because that was like um, one of the discussions that I've had with like this uh, associate of mine when we were, when we were discussing like I think it was like you know again this is from another topic a couple weeks ago but mm-hmm. you know um, him wondering why natives didn't invent the wheel or whatever, and I was like, "Well, well take take this for example. These people that work, that came here to colonize this this land had their wagons. They were bringing stuff over. A lot of stuff got broken. Other stuff mysteriously did not break. And you know, it's yeah, like yeah, go figure. Yeah, because like you know, you're coming in from Pennsylvania. That's like mountains. And then yeah, you and we
3: the wagons were constantly breaking, and they were having to stop and repair the wheels, too.
0: As interesting as this sidebar yeah, is, we have we to got, move on. we've got to move on here. We've got, uh, we got a special guest. Uh, Catherine Jugaday is with us. Uh, <clears throat> uh, Catherine is from uh, England, and she is a British television presenter and author with a background in science. She was introduced to metaphysics as a teenager by her mother. And uh, she has found and embraced totally the teachings and writings of Neville Goddard. And he was very, very active in the New Thought movement. Uh, Catherine joins us from London, England. Uh, and Catherine, how are you?
10: I'm fine, thank you. Thank you for having me on.
0: Can you help me? Am I doing a good job with your last name? Is it Jagade?
10: Wonderful, yeah. I mean, it's been pronounced so many different names, but that's spot on, correct, well done.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to our common friend, Sarah, for that help. So, uh, Catherine, okay. it's, it's a pleasure to have you here, and we're doing a little bit of time traveling because you are seven, six hours, seven hours ahead of us, so uh, <laughs> I can ask you, truthfully, is Saturday going to be a good day? Because <laughs> you've already experienced the majority <laughs> of it.
4: Well, it's been a hot day.
0: (laughs) Mm
10: -hmm.
4: Yeah, I think so.
6: (laughs)
0: Uh,
10: I think people need to relax and chill.
0: (laughs) Many, many years ago, I discovered um, a little book by James Allen. And uh, there's a quote that I will always remember, and he wrote, A mind is the master weaver, both of the inner garment of character and the Outer Garment of Circumstance. And he was one of the pioneers of the what's been called the New Thought Movement. Uh, and then through your book, I was introduced to the writings and teachings of Neville Goddard. I had not heard of Neville before. How did you first hear about Neville Goddard? So, yeah, um, as you were
10: saying in your intro, my mom introduced. Um, me as a teenager to him, she actually introduced us to new thought as children. So even though we were very young, about five, six years old, and we didn't understand what we were hearing, because she was so enthusiastic about it, she would always share with us anything that she was reading. So the first book she gave me when I was reading, so the first book she gave me when I was a teenager was called Five Lessons by Neville Goddard, which was an uh, introduction to his metaphysics, his interpretation of it. And his work and what he wanted uh, humanity to become aware of.
0: And uh, who was Neville Goddard? Uh, how did he come into this information or this teaching?
10: <laughs> so it's, his story is very interesting. He was actually um, an English person, an Englishman, born on the island of Barbados in 1905 and he wasn 't born into a traditional um, traditionally wealthy colonial family, like English families were in those days. His family was large, ten children, and they were a family of modest means and As a child, I think he was about eight years old. a prophet on the island actually told him that he was going to do something great in this line of work in the world. So um, he just lived his normal life and as a teenager, he traveled to New York to pursue a career on stage on in theater. And he did have some success, but not phenomenal success. And then a few years later, he came into contact with an Ethiopian rabbi by the name of Abdullah, who taught him mysticism and uh, the Bible, um, the Bible as a mystical document rather than a religious one, and also Kabbalah and other forms of esoteric occultism, mysticism. And studying with um, Abdullah gave birth to his ministry so i love your reference to james allen these mm-hmm. ideas um, have appeared throughout history and these are the types of people that made it famous
0: mm-hmm. uh, and Catherine, you come from a science background
10: yeah um, technically yes i
0: <laughs> have
10: say i studied it <laughs> y-
0: yeah the reason, the reason why i bring this up is because science teaches us that uh... we don't just take something for granted we have to test it we have to try it out we have to replicate it uh... and there is a causal relationship then that we can establish between the experiment if you will the outcome uh... and so at what point in your life did you start to say i'm going to Try these teachings out and see if they really work.
10: I, I was always like that. I mean I was very imaginative as a kid and I was someone who always I always felt that there was more to what we were told um, we could see or experience physically and um I, I always had an appetite for it and science wasn't um a deterrent uh didn't deter me from pursuing uh new thought. I actually believe that scientists need to be very creative people and need to look for inspiration all the time. What science does very well and what I was able to take from science into this work mm-hmm. is that discipline of putting something to the test, not taking it at face value, but actually striving to prove a theory or disprove it.
0: Mm-hmm. What might be for the, uh, the people that haven't had the opportunity or the good fortune Of picking up a copy of your book Infinite Possibility, what might be a thumbnail sketch uh, of this book?
10: So it's here to not only tell you that the human imagination is God, and not everybody loves the word God. Some people want to use terms like consciousness or awareness or whatever, so I say to everyone I meet, use whatever term makes you comfortable. I use the word God because of its meaning, meaning to me, and I don't um, root that in any religious dogma. I just mean the source of everything. So as scientists, we can talk about the most fundamental components of existence, and I'm saying the source from which those things come is God. And we're being told that we are God. That bit of us that inspires us to live, that... Um, causes us to desire things or to to strive for things, all that kind of thing. The source of our feelings, that substantively is God, and that is our authentic self. So we are experiencing the physical world through a physical aspect of ourselves, which is our humanity. So what I would say to people is that this book helps you to not only remember that, but teaches you how to establish a connection between your humanity and your authentic consciousness,
0: and use it to create the life you want. And uh, you put this to the test. Uh, understand that, uh, that you've had a remarkable life. You've also been a victim of, of crime. And how, how did you reconcile uh, mind as God with being a victim of a crime
4: so
10: what I didn't appreciate through my study and experimentation was that we um, can through uh, the thoughts and the feelings that we entertain find ourselves experiencing negative things as well as positive so I was only interested in all the good things that was happening so that were happening rather so I was experimenting and I was getting results but I wasn't aware of the fact that I was somebody Who um, was very, very anxious. Even though I was having a good time with this philosophy, I was somebody who suffered from anxiety for one reason or another. And when my anxiety showed up and confronted me in this traumatic event, I had to go back and study what it is I thought I knew and unpick all of the ideas that I thought I knew so well. In doing that, I was given the opportunity to study this material even deeper. And I then went on to have Um, more profound experiences. So I um, learned how to interpret the the Bible, and I began to understand metaphysical language, or the the metaphysics of Neville, I should say, and to interpret his work. And I'm now able, through that experience, able to do the work that I do.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, And Catherine, uh, uh, are you uh, in a relationship? Do you have family? What what do your... uh, uh, family members think of, of your of your book, of your teachings, of your work?
10: So my family are wonderfully supportive. I think my mom is going to be my biggest cheerleader because she was the one that got me into this in the first place. God bless um, her. And interestingly enough, my, my husband and my dad are both religious, traditionally religious, but they're still supportive of what I do. I think the idea is that um, our search is an individual one and even though i stand by what i say and i'm very excuse me i'm very enthusiastic about it and i'm confident that i am i do apologize i'm confident that i'm telling people the truth i do appreciate that people need to come to certain realizations on their own it's not something i can force on anybody but ultimately if it doesn't matter what you're doing Sorry, I do apologize. It doesn't matter what you're doing day to day, as long as you come to this realization in the end. Um, that's very much the approach that everyone takes. So we all allow each other to be ourselves. But the person most important to me is my husband, and he's wonderfully excited about what I'm doing. And he, um, although he's a, a Christian in the traditional sense of the word he is somebody who embraces what I teach as well and he doesn't see that the two things have to be separate.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah I uh, have had uh, very learned people on the show that uh, say that they've satisfied for themselves that um, Jesus was a historical person that he lived he walked this planet he was the uh, son of God but at the same time many of these sources will say that the Bible was written so that there is uh, a number of different levels and uh, I'm trying to think of uh, I think it was the, uh, the book The New Man by Maurice Nicole that I read many years ago that took the teachings of uh, Jesus, the parables and went into deeper levels of the symbolism and what they stand for and uh, from having read your book, that's where I gather that, that Neville Goddard came from, to look at the Bible uh, as uh, not so much a historical document, but the importance is the symbols, the metaphors, the associations, and how they fit for each one of us. That's
10: absolutely correct. I mean... Um, I would never get into an argument about someone, particularly, um, let's say, a theologian or someone in the clergy, about the historicity of the Bible. That's something that needs to be revealed to someone, so I would never strip those beliefs away from people. But what they will discover is the fact that the Bible is not an historical document and that the the figures and the characters in the Bible are allegorical. The Bible is written, as Neville says, dressed in the garb of history, it was written in a particular era and was able to refer to many of the rituals of the time to and use those symbolically to describe the psychological evolution of man, of the soul of man but I would say if anybody believes that the people in the Bible are, were people who lived and breathed they should stay with that and wait to be um, informed differently if you like, I would never strip that away from anyone but that's absolutely what Neville's saying that the Bible is the blueprint for our psychological evolution at the end of which we will remember who we are authentically. Now when Neville, when I first read Neville, I was offended by that notion because I came from a traditional Christian background, Mm -hmm. but I have since uh, received that revelation for myself.
0: Uh, Is there a a skepticism um, of Neville Goddard's teachings and work? In other words, uh, Catherine, this is with the greatest respect to you and to Neville. To know one's position, you also have to know the counter-arguments and to be able to appreciate those and or have considered those. Is there skepticism?
10: Absolutely. I mean, Neville says that when he was uh, going around lecturing and, and, and giving talks and all that kind of thing, that some people even became violent, they were so offended by some of the things that he said, he was referred to at times as the mad mystic. And this is the thing that makes this so exciting, it's that it's not something that you go about persuading someone to believe, you invite them and hope that they will be courageous enough, and not just courageous enough, be inspired, let me say, to try or to test these philosophies, this philosophy for themselves, or test the theories contained in them, for themselves, because that's the bit that's important. Neville said it's the practical nature of this work that gives it value, not his ability to persuade someone that what he's saying is true. I personally feel that skepticism is healthy, that people should question things and not take things at face value and weigh it up against their own belief systems and positions. But ultimately, I want people to be inspired to try it, even if they want to prove it wrong.
0: Uh, If if mind is God, the human imagination is God, how does that carry back to um, uh, creation? In other
10: you mean w- this sort
0: of the, the yeah,
10: Adam and Eve story?
0: In other words, uh, if you go clear back, unraveling the chicken and the egg all the way back to uh, the instant of creation, of course there was no humans then, uh, but was there an essence uh, from that very first Big Bang, a God essence? Uh, how, do, how does that then work into the, the human imagination?
10: So I believe that God imbues everything in existence. And so even though um, there may have been a time where there were no people um, who were here operating imagination and creating things per se, That, as you're saying, that essence of God was moving through things that existed on the earth. That's what I believe to be the case. So there is no disconnect substantively between anything in existence and human beings. And so the same uh, power that works in us or inspires us does so through everything else.
0: Mm -hmm. Do you you think, Catherine, um, that God is experiencing... through you is it a is it a a two-way street
10: i i believe so yes and i and i think this is why even though um there are so many of us have collective experiences no no two one of us will no two of us will experience something the same way even a whole community affected by something like flooding or a country that's beset by war no two individuals in that situation will experience it the same way mm-hmm. there are absolutely there are infinite ways of experiencing the physical world and i believe that god does that through our humanity
0: Hmm. i have a family member who is uh who is ill uh how how has that illness happened
10: okay so obviously i can't speak to the, the specifics of the condition But I believe that all of our experiences are educative, and this is what I'm inspiring people to do. Mm -hmm. In getting to know who you are and what we're doing here, you can then um, change one's perspective on experience day to day. So when you think about something like illness, it is something to be overcome or be overcome by. Now that's not a question of judgment. If somebody, for instance, uh, succumbs to an illness and ultimately dies, that doesn't mean they've done something wrong. But because, as Neville teaches, we cycle over and over again, learning something new every time, that experience is part of the ultimate overall picture of education. And the education leads us towards remembering or having our memory restored to the point that we know that we are substantively the same as God, even though we're individualized as different human beings. So I'm not saying that the person thought something bad or whatever. Our our physical bodies go through things. You know, they, the cells break down, and, and I'm not a medical doctor. I can't speak about illness in a, in a particularly articulate way, but what I'm saying is that the experiences that we have, even on a physical level, are educative as well.
0: Our special guest this morning is Catherine Jagaday. She's the author of Infinite Possibility, How to Use the Ideas of Neville Goddard to Create the Life You Want. She's active on Facebook, Catherine, Katherine K A T H E R I N E. Her last name is spelled J E G E D E. And uh, she's live with us from London, England. Catherine, we're going to take a top of the hour break. Uh, please stay tuned. We will be right back, okay? Yes, yeah, sure. I'm Scott Colborne with Jim and Colleen. We are exploring unexplained phenomena with our first-time guest, Catherine Jagaday. Stay tuned. We've got more program right after this.
5: Carol Griswold from Women's Blues and Boogie on your community radio
6: station, 89.3 FM, KZUM Lincoln and KZOM
4: HD.
7: Support for KZUM comes from family-owned and operated Butheris Mason Love Funeral Home at 40th and A Streets in Lincoln. Offering services that allow families to plan ahead according to personal wishes, chapel facilities to accommodate all faiths, and grief support materials for the family following a service. More information is available at 402-488-0934 and online at bmlfh.com. And the Malone Community Center, presenting its annual Juneteenth celebration on Saturday, June 16th from 1 to 5 at Trago Park at 22nd and U., Themed Reclaiming Our Past and Reframing Our Future, the free community event will feature family-friendly activities, a three-on-three basketball tournament, live music, a health fair, and more. Details at MaloneCenter.org. Celebrate our vibrant city at the KZUM Arts and Culture Festival, a free day-long celebration on Saturday, June 23rd from 1 to 9 at Antelope Park with vendors, cultural dancers, food, and more. And live music all day by Nookie Jones, The Derailers,
6: oh, and cool music.
7: Verse and the Vices,
9: gone, gone,
7: gone Soul Music, Blay, 23rd Vibration, and Paddywhack. Find out more at kzum.org. The full moon lights the silver
8: rails winding around dark mountains and over steep gorges of jagged rock and one freezing cold rushing black mountain river. I wish there was enough time to describe all of the funny twists and turns that led up to now, but there isn't enough time because there's a ticking clock and the two passengers we care most about don't know anything about it. To see what happens next, visit read.gov to read The Exquisite Corpse, a riveting adventure pieced together by John Sheska, Shannon Hale, Daniel Handler, and other popular authors. Explore
9: New Worlds. Read. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. Far from the din of commercial culture, and just this side of the abstract, is a place I call Mesoterra. I'm Vic Valverde, your tour guide for an eclectic musical excursion on a program called Mesoterra. Saturdays, 12 noon until 1.30, right here on KZUM.
0: Always a good program. Mesoterra coming up at 12 noon on KZUM Radio. Scott Colborne here with Jim and Colleen. It's sure great to have you here with us. Our special guest is Catherine Jagaday, and she's from London, England. She's with us by phone. And Catherine, may I read a a quote by Neville Goddard from the very first part of your book? Yeah. So I bring you a message to make you conscious. Man must awake from the dream or he is simply an ottoman. He moves like a machine, then he begins to awake. And when he awakes, then he is not that man at all that he seemingly, in the past, played for eternity. He awakes into a new being, a new man. Is, is that the goal, Catherine?
10: Yeah, I mean, when I was thinking of um, how I would describe the message and describe the work, that that quote really inspired me and spoke to me. That this is the the ultimate motivation between uh, behind what I do and behind what Neville did as far as I am concerned, that we go through this process um, of living life in a particular way, doing all the normal things, and then one day we find ourselves questioning the world around us and perhaps questioning the systems that we have become so used to or so dependent on, such as the system of law and order or finance or, um, and politics or health and medicine and science and that sort of thing. And then we find, as we question, we are led to things that start to open up our imagination. And these are the answers that we receive back as a result of our inquiry. So that, for me, um, sums up the goal of this work.
0: When you uh, decided to write the book, um, how did you go about the project?
10: So um, I had throughout the years of studying Neville and reading him and, and experimenting with his work, I had been keeping diaries and journals. Um, and so the book wasn't planned as a, you know, a project as, for publishing, as it were. It was very much written for me initially. When I showed it to Mitch Horowitz, who read the forward, he said it was a, a good book. Um, he didn't want to publish it then, but um, I loved the idea of actually people being able to benefit from the experimentation that I had done, and then it sort of came together after that. That was a couple of years
0: ago. And the book is written uh, chapter by chapter with a topic uh, that you ground oftimes times in personal experience, an anecdote that you share, and then there is an exercise, and uh, was it your idea then to to put into play these exercises to allow people to, chapter by chapter, experience this work in a very individual way.
10: Absolutely. I mean, for me, as I was saying before, it's all about the practical. If the theory cannot be practically applied, then for me it has no value. So what I wanted people to do was to read um, that little snippet that I provide and then immediately put that to the test and, and start to see if they could feel anything about what I was saying. And I was confident that in the sequence, I arranged the chapters so that by the time you're getting to chapters 8, 9, and 10, you're really comfortable with the terminology, comfortable with the method, and feel inspired to carry on, and will have started to see results. So I wanted, to, I wanted it to be digestible, not overwhelming. It's not supposed to be intellectual. It's clean, simple language, just introducing the idea to someone, but also letting them make inquiry for themselves. I want people to get into, I wanted people to get into the habit of asking questions and discovering the truth for them. It's a very personal and intimate
4: thing.
0: Many many of us have felt as we uh, begin to awaken from a, a slumber that the world around us seems to be self-reflective, uh, that we may initiate something that, like a boomerang, goes out uh, and then comes back to us uh, both positive as well as negative negative. and one of my anecdotes that I've got that humorously Catherine I've shared before in the program is that uh, as I begin to uh, uh, meditate and to ask questions and to try to awaken from the slumber uh, I began to notice that when I would, at my best of moments, when I would harbor a feeling towards somebody that was not uh, their highest and best good, it may be something that may be uh, that dirty, rotten so-and-so. I slip into an old mm-hmm. mode of thinking, you know, that that mm. rotten scoundrel, you know, thinking and imagining somebody as less than their totality. When when I would do that, I would then almost have an instantaneous reaction of either inadvertently biting my lip, banging my shin on a coffee table, hitting my crazy bone on my elbow against a wall. There was something physical that seemed to happen that was sort of like somebody standing just off to my left, clapping their hands, saying, Wake up! <laughs> Change! Don't do that! <laughs> <laughs> and I got to be humorous. Uh, so even if we're having a bad relationship with somebody, one of the things that we can do from reading your book, Catherine, is to not think... Ill thoughts towards them but to try to picture them as whole and contented and at peace
10: absolutely and I, I really like that it's very important that people understand that you know we can only ever give who we are or, or, or experience who we are so when we're looking at someone negatively we're looking at them through a lens that really is reflective of who we are as individuals, and people are reflecting that negativity back to us. And it really is best, I say, if in doubt, do the loving thing. It really is best mm. to think of people in positive terms, even if you don't believe that they are a positive person, mm. because what you're doing is actually using the world as a mirror. And one of the things that happens that a lot of people are not aware of is that when we send out a negative message, Thought to someone, if it's not received by them, it's coming back to the sender. And it's interesting in your case; it happens so instantaneously. That's really exciting to hear, actually, because not everybody is aware of the way of the fact that those things do come back to us, and it and it comes, it shows up as a nasty surprise later on. So I think you were very fortunate to have that sort of indication uh, so instantaneously.
0: And I'm not fully awakened by any stretch of the imagination. I still, at times, uh, fall flat on my face. But at least I'm becoming conscious of that. <laughs> you you have in in the book, uh, in fact, a chapter called Magic Mirror. What is that about?
10: So it's a, there. So in the book, there are a number of techniques to use to help to build our confi- uh, confidence in learning to recognize our intuition and to trust it. But magic mirror is a very simple exercise in in that you, uh, instead of seeing the person you don't want to see reflected back, you see the person you desire to see reflected back. And it's a training exercise in getting one to think about oneself positively, Mm. because as we do that, our life and circumstances begin to reflect what we consider ourselves to be. I was having a conversation with my mother this morning about this very topic, which is interesting. This idea that People have negative experiences that correlate to how they think of themselves so if you think about all the other people you know they just show up as whoever they are and then you come into the picture and you're feeling bad and then you say okay that person is treating me um, in a negative way or not being kind to me it's actually nothing to do with that other person it's just how they receive you on the basis of who you are so in the magic mirror exercise you're going to close your eyes and begin to feel that the person you see reflected back is someone you desire to be. It could be a change in your character, a change in your personal circumstances, a change in your financial circumstances, anything. The idea is that you don't just look in the mirror and think, God, not you again, but you think, Wow, hi, you you look amazing, you're you're doing so well and that you're doing so well and that you're speaking to yourself and reinforcing this positive energy in your psyche
0: I did this exercise with uh, some spiritual teachers Catherine many many years ago and uh, Colleen and Jim and I also speak to our listeners do you know how hard it is to look in the mirror at your face without having some form of negative thought about you, your your physical appearance that pops up. Do you know how hard that is?
10: It is. It is hard, and I do encourage people to persevere. But in the beginning, the first chapter, I give an example about self-observation, and it's an exercise in teaching people to observe themselves uncritically. So I think for anybody who has a problem um, looking at themselves positively, that they should really work with that exercise. I say, if you want, you can spend up to a week doing just one exercise. And it's just looking at yourself and saying, yeah, you just are, but not adding anything beyond that. You know, if you think I am ellipsis, you don't need to qualify that I am statement. Just be aware of yourself. It is possible to train yourself to become uncritical about what you see reflected back. And that Mm -hmm. makes it easier to start to superimpose a more positive or desirable image uh, image onto who it is you are and become who you want to be. It is difficult. I won't pretend, but I really recommend that people persevere. They will be very, very pleasantly surprised.
0: Mm-hmm. The uh, The teachers that I studied with many years ago said that once you can get to that point of looking at your reflection in a mirror in a compassionate kind loving sense that is uncritical then the next step is to be any place that you want (laughs) not operating heavy machinery and just simply (laughs) close your eyes and see your face as if that mirror is right in front of you and see see your image it's hard for some people because of the critical thinking it's hard because Some people have been told that they shouldn't look at themselves in the mirror for very long because it's vain, it's narcissistic, it's self-indulgent. You know, they should be washing the dishes or cleaning the cat Mm. box. But if you can do this, uh, you can use this technique, for example, when you go to apply for a job and you drive up or travel to that location and before you walk in to make the application you can take just a moment to close your eyes and image the picture of your face as if you're looking in that mirror and look deep within your eyes the windows to your soul and get connected with who you really are and that's that's part of this exercise I- in the mirror isn't it Catherine it's, it's trying to understand Absolutely. who you really are.
10: Absolutely. And, and the thing is, it's really strange what happens when you start to observe yourself uncritically. What happens is that you start to look at yourself, as I like to say, through the eyes of God, and that's just through love, unconditioned love. Now I wanted to add, because you, you've summarized it so perfectly, Scott, I don't need to add to what you have said, but I want to say something different. I want to make a note of this, that this This process is very, very personal, and I know some people um, are on the receiving end of some very unkind words, but you don't need to let anybody know what you're doing. Even if you come from a background where you're actively discouraged from appreciating yourself, just do it when no one's around, when you're in the bathroom or when you're about to go to sleep. Nobody needs to know that you're doing it, and that's important. Mm -hmm. You don't need to share this with anybody and just watch this process work for you. Mm -hmm.
0: it may be folks uh, that this really easy exercise may be difficult for you for a number of reasons Um, so become an actor or actress what is interesting is because your subconscious that carries around this picture of who you are doesn't know real from imaginary and if you become that actor or actress and look into your own eyes the (coughs) windows of your soul and to say that that you are whole and complete that you are lovely that you have so much potential that you're on your path that you're awakening every day that you look forward to each day as an adventure That subconscious, who is always listening, will start to pick up on that. And uh, Catherine, I would imagine that you, having done this work, that you never have a blue Monday where you wake up Monday morning (laughs) and think, oh my gosh, it's Monday.
10: very interesting I actually do have some really dark moments but what I can do is get out of them I can recover from them very very quickly Mm -hmm. so if my husband and I don't see eye to eye on something which doesn't happen very often and and I end up having a good old cry, I can recover from that using this technique. So I'm still human. And Neville (laughs) says that you do still go through all the normal human experiences. You're not going to suddenly be floating around on on a cloud and everything is going perfectly. But what you will discover is that you can resolve things very, very quickly and easily, and more importantly, receive from that event whatever it had to teach you so that's pretty much how I live my life if I go through something undesirable I can actually say okay what did this thing come to teach me and take that learning and progress from there Mm -hmm.
0: one of the things that uh, many of us Catherine began doing is we began years ago to being very selective about what we let into Our sphere. In other words, uh, these same teachers that I mentioned earlier said uh, why engage in watching a news cycle where every 60 to 90 seconds it's looped and these major headlines that are dire in nature continue to slam forward? And they tend to tell you that things are not going too well. So they suggested, quite literally, turning off the news, that there are plenty of ways to find out what it is that you need to know, but you don't expose yourself <clears throat> to that steady, steady diet of negativity. And, Catherine, have you seen any recent news broadcasts, because you've got a history in TV, where the news broadcast is talking about the boy or girl that helps the older person across the street, the, the person that, that, uh, that goes out of the way to help the homeless individual. It's pretty much the biggest, nastiest headline that can be, and that's what they lead with.
10: Absolutely. I mean, I think a lot of newscasters don't realize how perverse it sounds when they say, if it bleeds, it leads. And those nice stories about somebody doing something wonderful in the community or some Boy Scouts helping to repaint an old folks' home or something, they're so few and far between. I mean, I do not watch the news personally. I, do, I can pick and choose um, what information I want. And thankfully, there is content available to people, inspirational stories and, and um, YouTube channels and what have you, that provide stories that are positive. And you can still find out about what's going on in the world, you're absolutely right about that. And I would agree with you, people need to be a lot more discriminating about what they consume so Neville Goddard ref, Goddard refers to that as being careful about your mental diet, and it's something that I actually live by and mm-hmm. benefit from. Mm-hmm.
0: Tell us more about Neville. Did, did he marry? Did he have children? How was yeah, he? Yeah. So he, when he
10: was a young man, he. Mm-hmm.
0: How was he able to support so, so himself?
10: When, so when he was uh, younger, he um, had he worked in the theatre. And when that didn't pan out, because his career um, happened during the Great Depression in the United States, and he said, people, if you couldn't afford to eat, you're not going to go and pay to see someone dance, Um, he later on got a job, I can't remember the name of this department store, but he was an an elevator attendant, and he was earning, I think, $5 a week, and from that he had to pay his rent and all the rest of it. He married a woman who... um, it was a very short-lived marriage, a, a woman who worked with him in the theatre, but they they didn't do very well together, and they divorced. And he had a son with that lady. He then The woman he ultimately went on to spend the rest of his life with was a lady called Belinda, a, a theatre production assistant. I know she made costumes and that sort of thing. And they had a daughter, Victoria, and I believe Victoria is still alive and lives in California. So he uh, supported himself... Initially, in in the the normal way, going to work and earning a, a wage and what have you, but his family, who were one of his brothers in, back in Barbados, who used his philosophies, made made a, a huge success of a family business out there, and a lot of the products produced by the Goddard family are still in circulation and used today. Um, and he was supported for a short time by his family, but ultimately he made a good living from his lectures and from the sale of his books and things like that. So he actually became somebody who was very very comfortably off and enjoyed high society, dining with all the fine ladies and gentlemen of the United States in America and in in LA. So he had a wonderful life at the end. Mm -hmm. And he attributed all of that to this work, to this philosophy, and seeing himself as somebody who made a good living and had a good quality of life
0: I I noticed that uh, the Wikipedia page uh, apparently had been taken down and there were other ways to find out about Neville Goddard. Uh, Is there still some controversy around Neville Goddard?
10: It was peculiar. We couldn't find out. um, Mitch Horowitz, who was my editor on the book initially, um, he has done a lot of research into Neville and it wasn't clear about why that Wikipedia page disappeared I don't know if it was um, people wanting to keep Neville to themselves, that does tend to happen with people who know him, they, they become slightly territorial about what he taught because it's so powerful and effective and there's this idea that people want it all for themselves, I'm not saying that's why the, uh, the page went down but it's certainly um, one suggestion um, but there are things available. So Mitch Horowitz, uh, he has written a wonderful uh, article called Neville Goddard, A Cosmic Philosopher. And people can Google that search term, Neville Goddard, A Cosmic Philosopher. And it tells you a great deal about his life, his history, his work with Abdullah and so on. So if people want to know more, there is a, uh, a lot of information available. But Mitch's article is very good. (laughs)
4: <laughs>
0: this is Catherine Perfect Jagaday. <laughs> She's the author of Infinite Possibility. The
4: credit on your account is low. Hmm.
1: That's
0: interesting. That was the phone card there. I Sh- think so, yeah. yeah. Should we... Uh, let's... Uh, uh, Catherine, we're <coughs> going to hang up and call you back on a different phone card here, okay? Sure. Okay. Okay, I'm right here. <coughs> Our special guest is Catherine Jagaday, she's the author of Infinite (coughs) Possibility. And I'm Scott Colborn. We're talking about how the mind, the human mind is actually the Kingdom of God. And we'll have more on that in just a little bit. We'll go to our break and we'll connect back with Catherine Jagaday in just a moment. Stay tuned for more Exploring Unexplained Phenomena.
5: Hi, dudes and dudettes, it's Carol Griswold from Women's Blues and Boogie on your community radio station, 89.3 FM, KZOM Lincoln
6: and KZOM HD.
7: Support for This Week in Lincoln comes from the Bay, the Bourbon Theater, Duffy's Tavern, and the Zoo Bar. This is live music happening this week in Lincoln. Saturday, June 9th, brings the Bel Airs to the zoo bar at 6, and the Reverend Peyton's Big Damn Band plays the Bourbon Theater at 8. That's what's happening this week in Lincoln. KZUM's summer concert series continues on Thursday, June 14th at 7 p.m. with the soul pop of Omaha's domestic blend and the Latin music of Harana, plus food by muchachos and kids' activities with the ArtReach Project lawn chairs and blankets are welcome. This year, we celebrate 15 years of free music in beautiful Stransky Park at 17th and Harrison with performances every Thursday through August 9th. Brought to you with support from Dietz Music, Rabble Mill, the Lincoln Arts Council, Augstums Printing, and Brian Health. Find out more at kzum.org. My name is
8: Manny Morales. I'm 45 and I coach youth football. It's still hard to believe because the high school me was a work in progress. But Big Brothers, Big Sisters, give me a real role model. And the
3: young me...
5: Neither a role model, bad. My bigger brother's name is Ray. And Ray is the reason that this 7-year-old grows up to be a role model himself.
3: Whether you donate money or time, you're helping Big Brothers, Big Sisters help a child. Start something today at BigBrothersBigSisters.org. Brought to you by Big Brothers, Big Sisters and the Ad Council.
9: Far from the din of commercial culture and just this side of the abstract is a place I call Mesoterra. I'm Vic Valverde, your tour guide for an eclectic musical excursion on a program called Mesoterra. Saturdays, 12 noon until 1.30, right here on KZUM
0: Scott Colborne with Exploring Unexplained Phenomena. Thank you so much for your support of listener supported KZM radio. We're a nonprofit, non commercial, uh, independent radio, and we exist because uh, slightly over 60 percent of our budget comes from you folks through listener donations. And thank you so much for that support. I send out uh, all my best to my friend John who does a program down here. Uh, John was out riding a bicycle and decided to um, do some gymnastics. You know, why wear a helmet? Because you would just break the helmet, right? So uh, John is recovering from his bicycle mishap. And uh, I spoke with him last night. We send you our very best And uh, even though he's been banged up, still has a great sense of humor. So, John, hang in there, and uh, you'll be back in the saddle again in no time. Coming up next week is Brent Rains. He's the editor of Alternate Perceptions magazine. It's an alternative way to explore and explain the mysteries of our world, it's been published since 1985 and online since 2001. Brent is the author of Visitors from Hidden Realms on the Edge of Reality. And his last newsletter had a couple of really interesting articles on our common friend and colleague the late John Keel. Uh, and I'll tell some John Keel stories next week when we have Brent uh, on the program. Two weeks from today is Paul Blake Smith, the author of M.O. 41, The Bombshell Before Roswell, and Three Presidents, Two Accidents, More M.O. 41, UFO Crash Data and Surprises. M.O. is Missouri. M.O. 41, The Crash of a UFO Outside Cape Girardeau, Missouri, in 1941. Paul Blake Smith is the recognized expert on this and uh, has collected little teeny tidbits as well as big, big things in both of these books. Our first-time guest, William Stillman, joins us on June 30th, The Secret Language of Spirit. Mark Nesbitt, the Gettysburg expert, He's written uh, now eight volumes of The Ghosts of Gettysburg, joins us July 7th, and uh, almost on the anniversary of that 1863 Civil War battle. If you stop and think about it, there were so many men there engaged in battle over two and a half days, three days, that were killed or wounded such an incredible release of emotion that apparently has caused that monument to have ghosts and spirits that linger I'm aware of park rangers that have people that stop in and say we really enjoyed walking around part of the battlefield today, and we watched the the reenactors, the Confederate and the Yankee reenactors, walking on the fields, and we could hear their guns sounding and see the smoke from their their rifles. And uh, it was really interesting to watch them relive that part of the battle and the ranger thanks the people very much and says, by the way, there were no reenactors on that part of the battlefield today. That's the sort of stories that Mark Nesbitt has collected. Volume 8, The Ghosts of Gettysburg comes out July 1st. July 14th, my friend Peter Robbins Come us back for a long overdue conversation. July 21st, we've got Lincolnite Joel Green, Robber's Cave Truths, Legends, Recollections. Should be a very interesting program, that brand new book on the local landmark in Lincoln, Nebraska, Robber's Cave. Many of us, as children who grew up in Lincoln were in Robber's Cave, sometimes quite a bit. I remember on my Schwinn one-speed pedal-as-fast-as-you-could-go bike that on a hot summer day we would take a quarter and we would ride over to Robber's Cave, knock on the door of the farmhouse, and a woman would come to the door and we'd give her a quarter and she would turn a switch that turned the lights on in the cave and we'd say okay how do we know when our time is up and she said oh don't worry I'll just flick the lights <laughs> I'll turn them on and off and uh, you'll know it's time to come out so and it could be a hundred degrees outside and we would go into the cave and I think below grade it's about 55 degrees roughly so people spent time down there actually would even in a hundred-degree day they would take a light wrap or a sweater because it would get chilly you would actually have goosebumps and uh... we're glad to have that cave back open now and i'm glad that it's being preserved and and uh people are allowed to to go through and take tours. We're going to move a guest from July 28th. We'll see if we've got August 4th open for her. Her name is Rasha, and she's written a book called Oneness the Meditations, A Journey to the Heart of the Divine Lover with music by Jim Oliver. August 11th, we've got Brian Seach, S-E-E-C-H, the co-founder of the Center for Unexplained Events in Pennsylvania. And August 18th, we've got Rosemary Ellen Guiley and Kevin Paul, co-authors of Haunted Hills and Hollows, What Lurks in Greene County, Pennsylvania. Understand we're having some difficulty reaching our guests, so hopefully that's been resolved.
3: Can we get that line? Yeah. She should be on that line. Yeah, she's
0: on that line. Katherine, this is Scott in Lincoln, Nebraska. Are you are you with us?
10: I am. I'm so sorry about what happened.
0: <laughs> I'm glad glad to have you back here. Um we sometimes refer to uh, misadventures in live radio as being the ghost in the machine. (laughs) Uh, Tell us how you've taken one of the tenets of Neville Goddard's philosophy and applied that uh, dynamically in your own life. What would be an example?
10: Okay, so um... I was thinking before we went off air the uh, about the magic mirror. Yes. And um, just a very simple, just a very simple example. I had terrible acne to the point where I didn't want to leave the house. I was so embarrassed, and it was actually causing me to have depression. And I was able to. It's a very very difficult exercise, but I was able to see myself having the skin that I wanted to have. And what I did was just. Whenever I wanted to uh, you know, get ready in the morning, I wouldn't look directly at my face in the mirror in the bathroom. I would just get on with the process, but just feel happy and thankful that my skin was clear. And although my doctors wanted to give me every bit of medication under the sun, ultimately, in about six weeks, my face had miraculously cleared itself. So miraculously seemingly to the doctors, but not to me. What I did was I held on to the belief that my skin was as I wanted it to be, and I became thankful about that, and it cleared up. So I'm saying that I have absolute confidence in this philosophy. It does have practical application, and it does work.
0: Mm -hmm. I can tell you, uh, uh, Catherine, a story from my own life of how the imagination has created something and uh, it has to do with time and space also. Um, many years ago my ex-wife and I said we need a car and mm-hmm. it had to be just right for us within our financial means, um, fun, easy to drive, easy to maintain and um, available. So on a given day we sat down and did a short meditation and we thought about uh, this car being just the right car for us in always mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically and it was a very short focused meditation and then I got up and went out in the front porch to collect the mail. In the mail was an advertisement from Randolph Williamson Volkswagen saying come on down and take a look at our cars. So I said to my wife, ex-wife, I said, this is interesting. We just did this meditation. We walk out and here's a flyer saying, come down here. So we did. We drove down and we walked on this big lot, uh, really nice, Burly salesperson came out, and we said, uh, "We're here to you. Uh, look at some used Volkswagens." And he said, "Gosh, they're in short supply. We've only got two, which includes the one you're standing by. It's a Volkswagen Rabbit." And I said, "What's what's the price?" He gave us the price, and it was over what our budget was. And I said, "Well, as long as we're down here, we probably can't afford it, but..." would it be okay if we unlocked the car and just sat in it and just checked it out and he said oh sure I'll get the keys and we'll do that so he allowed us to kinda hang out with the car and uh, he went up to the office and about 10 minutes later he came back and said if you're really interested you know I can take off $500 and now the car became more affordable so we said can we take it to a Volkswagen mechanic that we know and have him check it out um, bob nissen at that time was a, an expert volkswagen mechanic and he said gosh scott and Catherine, this is a great car if if i had to buy another one i would buy it myself so we went back and made an offer and uh, about an hour later we drove it off the lot that's wonderful I and mean, that's exactly how
10: this works this is what we're talking about scott that something that happens during the course of your everyday life. It's not uh, something floating down from the sky, but it's receiving inspiration, receiving information about things that hmm. otherwise wouldn't have been available to you. That's how it works. And I just wanted to uh, add here to go with your story and with mine. Yes. This isn't about wishful thinking. It's about contacting the feeling of possession, and that's the thing that brings these results about.
0: And I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up because the, the person listening to us this morning that would be misinformed about New Thought or about the work of Neville Goddard about your book might think that this is all um, self-aggrandizement, that it's all about self, that it doesn't speak to any of the people that are suffering suffering. Uh, It's very narcissistic in nature. Uh, How does living with this philosophy, how does that impact the world around you and about the people that are less fortunate?
10: So um, what people will discover is once you understand how the world operates and what your uh, role is while you're here, um, it really relieves you of some of the burden that a lot of us carry around. What I was saying, I go back to this point about education. We are here to learn who we are, and we do that through the experiences and the events that we encounter. So ultimately, the event nobody escapes. Okay, So everybody goes through some type of suffering, even those who appear to have it all. I mean, we've heard recently of the tragic death just yesterday of Anthony Bourdain. He was a beloved television host, very popular, successful and all of that, and yet he was suffering. And so because we think that um, poverty is suffering and, and war or whatever, or, or loss is suffering, it's, uh, we, we miss the point that it's all relative. Whatever this man was going through, it led him to the point of losing his life. So what happens is that when you understand, understand that the world is an education Of institution of education you can recast yourself in the role of a student and that the things you go through are courses that you take and you overcome them by applying yourself to the learning that that course has to offer you so it might be that somebody is starting um, off in very terrible circumstances but they can use this philosophy to lift themselves and those they love out of it there is absolutely no limit to its application and this is not just about the acquisition of goodies or material possessions, you can use it to change your own character. Personally, I use it to live a fearless life. I have no problems with people. Everyone I meet, I have a good time with them. It doesn't mean everyone's in love with me and everyone likes me, but somehow this interaction of the exchange is always positive. And that's how one of the ways and one of the most important ways in which I use this work. Mm -hmm.
0: Now, Catherine i've just reflected that uh, it may be because of of media it may be because of how we perceive somebody but we may think of somebody as being a dirty rotten scoundrel maybe they're a politician right and we think about all the the bad stuff the negative stuff that we hear uh jesus's message was to love your neighbor and love your enemy. So Mm -hmm. if I have, for example, a politician that I think is a dirty, rotten scoundrel, maybe instead of thinking ill or trying to maintain that picture, another way to go about it might be to think of them and send them love.
10: Absolutely. And I think we can learn so much from people who give us a hard time or who are difficult. (laughs) Um, We can learn about our
6: capacity.
10: (laughs) We can learn about our capacity for forgiveness. If everybody around you is friendly all the time, you don't really know what you can tolerate. You don't know what the limits of your strength or your patience are. So I go back to this point. Learn from absolutely everything and everyone. and also when uh, people like politicians, for instance, they have the power to impact our daily lives, right, but we can actually use the things that they're doing to navigate our way out of the difficulties they create through their choices and actions and actually learn to depend on ourselves and to, to draw from this dream of inspiration. Just like what happened to you with the car, Scott, you got that information as a result of what you did, people will find avenues opening up to them which are the solution to problems or difficulties um, through this work, through engaging with this work. And Neville talks about these politicians and people like that drawing us a little closer to the fire and inspiring us to actually ask questions of ourselves Mm -hmm. and ask questions of our Creator.
0: Now, folks, just because Catherine said that uh, people give us a hard time help teach us, that doesn't mean, Jim Shorney, that you're supposed to give me a hard time. And all all you folks listening to Catherine, don't try to engage her this week in in nefarious ways.
3: Uh, Uh, I wonder wonder why Scott looked at me
0: when he was talking about people that give you a hard time. (laughs) Uh, Catherine, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show for your first time here. Uh, As is my my, uh, (coughs) habit, I'd like to uh, turn the microphone over to you for the next couple of minutes and have you speak from your heart to my audience.
10: So first of all, thank you, Scott, for Jim, Colleen, for having me. I've had a wonderful time. I've really um, enjoyed engaging with you. And thank you to everybody who has been listening. What I want to do is not to try to persuade you of anything, but to inspire you to pique your interest sufficiently that you will want to make a discovery for yourself. You would want to find out whether what I am saying is true. Remember, it's a very, very personal thing. You can apply it to absolutely any situation in your life. People can even apply it to get out of difficult relationships when it seems like there's no way. What I encourage you to do is to keep what you're doing secret. There's no one to be involved. This is between you and yourself. Just start to explore the potential of your imagination And you will be so pleasantly surprised about what you discover in terms of your potential to create the life you want. And also, if you want to ask me any questions, you can reach out to me on Facebook. I'm always happy to answer questions. It might take a little while for me to get back to you, but I try to get back to everybody within a day or so of hearing from them. So um, that's all I want to say. Thank you very much, Scott.
0: And my last question, Catherine, is... Catherine Jagaday, what do you do for fun?
10: <laughs> oh my gosh, I think I think I make a lot of pies. Okay. Showing.
6: <laughs>
0: Thank you again very much for taking time to be with us and I wish you and your family well.
10: Thank you, Scott. Bye everyone.
0: Catherine Jagaday. Her book is called Infinite Possibility, How to Use the Ideas of Neville Goddard to Create the Life You Want. Catherine K-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E, the last name is spelled J-E-G-E-D-E, Jegeday, Katherine Jegeday. You'll find her on Facebook, as well as her book Infinite <coughs> Possibility, published by Penguin Random House. So if you go to their website, there's a really nice page on her book as well. Uh, Jim and Colleen, what do you have going on for the rest of today? Stay inside in the air conditioning. <laughs> Is it going to be hot, Jim?
3: Uh, yeah, I just had that up here. Colleen, what are you doing uh, today? What said. I uh, have 92 today.
1: Uh, that, that's not bad. Um, well, as you've probably noticed, I've been drawing. I think I've done, like, mm-hmm. five drawings since I've been here oh, this morning. Been busy. I don't... It's like... It's like... Um, I already have, like, 50 other drawings to actually ink and color in. But my brain's like, oh, no, here, here, let's have, like, 10 more. There's more that want to come out. Yeah. It's yeah. like... So by the time I'll get all this co- inked and colored in, it'll probably be September. <laughs> <laughs> and then there'll be more to ink and draw in <laughs> that
3: keeps you off the streets as they say
0: Jim and Colleen thank you so much for being here thank you Scott really appreciate you both and all your talents and abilities guys and gals I appreciate you also thank you so much for listening today and I'm going to turn the microphone over here to Vic with Mesoterra he's always got a great program for us and, uh, and he's rare to go too stay right here stay cool out there and until next week, I'm Scott Colborne, Walk in Beauty.